What's going on, everybody? Welcome and welcome back. This is Real Reality Realness with Sean Ellis Rogers, the podcast where I, your host, Sean, dives deeper into reality television than most people watching feel is necessary and asks all the questions about what they don't want out. Today, we're diving into the real reality of blonde hair, black heart. Blake Adam from the Blonde Hair Black Heart podcast joins me to discuss the magic of Laguna Beach and the surrealism of the hills. We try and ultimately fail to find a common ground in the Crystal Kung Minkoff debacle, discuss the lack of protection of viewers of color, the journey and best moments from Blonde Hair Black Heart so far, leading by example as a content creator, and so much more. Lock in while I clock in, because Blake and I are about to get into it. Can you hear me? I can, yeah. Awesome. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time. I appreciate you taking my call. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Of course. Now, before we get into the good stuff, I like to just give a little icebreaker. Okay. And just, (laughs) you know, do a little check-in, check the temperature around the room. Perfect. What is your coochie craving? Oh God! Um, <laughs> uh, so, like, literally, I only get coochie cravings from my my husband, who is he he satisfies all those cravings. But my like big life coochie craving right now is I am craving some uh, wellness and healing vibes. I don't know if you can hear, but I, I currently have COVID, so I sound a little stuffy and congested. Um, so I am- You cra- sound beautiful, but oh, th- I hope you're feeling you. better. Thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm okay, but I am I am craving just like feeling 100%. Um, wellness. I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm a Capricorn. And so I am like a workaholic and I, I'm always go, 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 go. And so while for some people, you know, having a week off to just like lay in bed sounds like a dream uh for me after about a a day of that i am like going stir crazy so yeah i'm i'm craving some back to normalness (laughs) as a virgo i understand you completely yeah yeah you know (laughs) yeah i know 100 percent. doing this podcast five days a week has completely turned my mental health around so if i had to take a week off i would probably go into a black hole yeah oh i I totally i totally get it like i i'm always so busy and i i like you know obviously i'm human and so i get stressed out and sometimes i complain and and you know say oh i'm so overloaded and overloaded and i wish i could just take a break but like once i get that break i'm like okay what what do i do now (laughs) yeah see see i always think that when we say that it's like i what i really want is 
it's just a break to complain about it yeah. and then to get back to work. Right. Or for me too, it's also like, I, I kind of like will bitch and complain about things to my friends and family. Maybe like less because I really like have something to complain about, but more, I just like want that. I like want them to know how like much I've been doing and maybe like give me a little round of applause or something. I don't know. Where's my, where's my so cookie? You're, <laughs> so you're fishing. So you're fishing I mean, for maybe, sprinkle cookies. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we need to be told how great we are just to keep it going. You know exactly. There's only so many times I can tell myself how great I am, you know? <laughs> exactly. Like, that reflection stops hitting. Right. <laughs> it will stop hitting. Totally. Me. Totally. You, you definitely need some affirmations from the people around you. So even if you got to gotta nudge them out of them, you know, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> what else do you have a village for? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But... But sometimes you have to call them and give them a good old Nene League. Support me, bitch. Right, right, totally. I'm going through everything. Exactly, but you know what? Those are the best types of relationships, whether they be like romantic relationships or friendships or familial relationships. The ones where, when things start to like feel a little off or you feel neglected or whatever, when when all you have to do is say like, "Hey, hi," like, "Please check in with me," and they immediately do. That that you know is like a real one you know because there are some people where you're like uh hello i'm not getting what i need and their response is just to like get defensive and be like well i'm sorry i'm really busy and i have needs and blah 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 and it's like that's fine but like we got to check in on each other so you tell me what you need i'll tell you what i need and like let's meet each other i love a friend that recognizes the bad signal you know what i mean yes 100 percent, absolutely now let's go back a little bit okay when did you fall in love with reality tv uh, so I've been a reality TV fan probably like my whole life or at least like my whole life that I can remember. So I'm 33 going on 34. So I grew up in like, you know, that that prime time being a millennial, like the 90s and early aughts. And so I was, mm -hmm. you know, watching The Real World and Road Rules when I was like probably way too young to be watching shit like that on MTV. But I was also Damn. like, not neglected whatsoever. My parents were amazing. We're actually like always around, but that generation, like we were very much just kind of like raised on TV. Like after school, you would go home and you would put on MTV or you would put on Nickelodeon or whatever it was. And so I watched a lot of, a lot of reality TV. Like I remember watching like Rock of Love and like just all of those kind of like really trashy reality shows in like those early days of reality um and then there were the the kind of beginnings of the like documentary style reality shows like we had the osbournes which i loved and then i watched newlyweds with jessica simpson and nick lachey um mm. and and then of course what i think really like like sucked me in like i watched all of those shows but i never would have said like oh that's my favorite show you know it was just kind of right. something I, I would watch passively but mm -hmm. then when when laguna beach came out it changed my life um yeah. i was so so beyond obsessed with these quote unquote characters or these kids on this show and it was the first time that i ever felt that kind of like kinship with reality TV characters. And that's kind of how I think a lot of us feel now watching um, 
you know, whether it's the housewives or watching like the kind of younger generation Bravo shows like Summer House and Vanderpump Rules, we feel like we're watching our friends or we like we connect with these people and we're so invested in their lives and we're, we relate so hard. And the first time I ever had that was with Laguna Beach. And then obviously The Hills, obsessed, watched all mm, of that. Mm. Um, and so then, you know, it was just kind of like an easy progression into the housewives and and yeah i just like have never really stopped <laughs> as a latchkey kid growing up i completely relate to your teen yeah. experience yeah I uh, i'm 31 so i'm right there with you totally. i grew up watching all of these same shows can we divert to the hills for a minute oh my god please wanna, yes because i because i'm one of those kids that 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 also grew up upset Yes. With the hill. Like, up, set. Like, yes. Natasha's unwritten with my ringtone. Like, <laughs> the whole deal. Like, well, no, I mean, I, I literally, like, like, at one point in my late teens, I, like, had a convertible, which, like, I literally only got so I could feel like LC, like, driving yes. around with, like, the the wind blowing through my non-existent long hair. Like, I, I don't know why I, I just, like, related to her so hard you know Heidi Montag's blowout is the reason why oh I my dyed God. my hair blonde <laughs> I love it 100%. I love it 100% that blowout she got in season two bitch with yes. that new money Girl, yes yeah oh my god so good and so i don't know if you uh have been listening at all to the back to the beach podcast that um steven coletti and Kristen cavallari do where they recap laguna beach but i uh, dabble in all of them right so i i love it it's so good um and they just wrapped the first season of laguna beach and uh they teased this morning that on this week's episode they actually have lauren conrad coming on so i'm i'm gagged brilliant Yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. App appointment podcasting, people. 100%. Because I've been dabbling in all of them. Like, I um, have been listening to the one that Audrina does with Brody and um, Frankie. Yes. Um, I am completely 100% maniacally obsessed with Whitney Port and her husband's YouTube channel. Oh, uh, yeah. They have recapped The Hills, Laguna Beach, The City. I am obsessed. They are so fucking funny. I I'm gonna need to so go much. back and, and watch those. I did watch, I remember a couple years ago, Whitney uh, had Lauren on her YouTube channel. With um, Wig. It like, yeah. yeah, it was like the first time that they had caught up. Um, and so I watched that, but I haven't I haven't watched any of their recaps, but I, I, I love stuff like that. And I think that we're so fortunate right now that we are just you know still riding this nostalgia wave um which i think millennials are really the driving force behind like we had such such amazing uh ch childhoods and we had so much uh, incredible content like coming at us when we were kids and so now the that best we, of times is the like best the best and so now that we're adults like being able to like re revisit all of that stuff it's so fun and i love the podcast format in particular i love how easy it is to to get into into it and like i also um you know again going back was raised on like tgif on friday nights and so i've been listening right. to the the pod meets world podcast which is um the cast of boy meets world going back and rewatching, and like all of it is just so much fun and it's again it's that like nostalgia factor but it's also like so 
so current and contemporary and relevant still that like it doesn't feel like you know going to an old museum and like looking through like dusty records of what what used to be like it it really feels like all of these things are still so um like i said relevant relevant and i think it's yeah and i think it's because like all of that incredible content that we were receiving in the 90s and 2000s was kind of the bedrock for what what we're all receiving and creating now you know let's talk about nostalgia being current right now because the hills just did a reboot with the original cast plus misha barton brandy uh brandon lee who is just adorably gorgeous and uh you know as much of the uh, the old old um cast as they could and then they just canceled that show and they announced that they're doing an entirely new hills but with a completely new cast right how are you feeling about both of these things happening right now yeah so i didn't watch the reboot um I mean, I think I maybe saw an episode or two and I was all, obviously, I'm like very, very tuned into pop culture. So even if I'm not like consuming it, I am still aware you of it. You know what's going know? on, yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I it, for me, it just didn't really spark an interest because for me, so much of my love for The Hills was because I loved Elsie. Um, uh, and so for me, it was like, if she's not going to be back, I just don't really know what the point okay. is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and that's not to say that, like, the other people on the show aren't, like, aren't great and, and worthy of carrying a story or a show. But to me, it was just, like, it was, it was so... It, yeah, The Hills was always Lauren's show. It wasn't built to be an ensemble show. It was built to be her show and it to be, a, like, the story of her life. And that's why I all, also even thought, you know, when it was originally airing, I always thought it was kind of weird. I mean, I understood why MTV kept Heidi and Spencer, but I always thought, like, this must just be so fucking frustrating for Lauren because this is her show. She literally recruited Heidi to come on, and if it's supposed to be her story and a, and a, a representation of the people in her world, like, how frustrating is it that for five years after they stopped being friends, she just, like, kept having to run into this person that she didn't have in her world anymore, you know? So, so for me, when the show came back, I was just like, it doesn't feel like it's going to be the same show. They should just call it something different. I don't know. Um, I didn't feel like I missed out on much there, obviously, because it, it you know, was canceled pretty quickly. Um, as far as the new Hills coming out, I mean, I think that, I think, I mean, part of me is like, I feel like they should just give it a, a new name and just make it its own unique thing. Um, but I get why they want to kind of capitalize off of that name and the popularity that the Hills had. And it was a vibe. And if they can kind of recreate that in a new modern way with with new characters, then sure. I'm more interested in that than watching like, you know, uh, Audrina and Heidi and Justin Bobby like in their 40s. I'm That to me wasn't interesting. You know, um, I will agree with you on a lot of that be perfectly honest because I just I I was excited about the reboot because like I said I was obsessed with the hills and I mm-hmm. and and my cat was curious listen yeah I wanted to know what they was gonna do without Lauren because we all knew Lauren wouldn't bring her ass back to no damn exactly in no hills like she no. wasn't doing that she doesn't need it she, she got shit to do yeah so <laughs> so 
I, so I was just how they were gonna do this, right? And then with me being obsessed with like Pam Anderson and like Tommy Lee and like me loving her growing up, so their son is gonna be on the hills. I was like, that's a perfect inclusion. Misha Barton being, yeah, you know, on the show that inspired the whole reality show in the first place. Like it just seemed like okay, they have something going on. Then it aired. Mm-hmm. And, um, it. <clears throat> Let's just say it wasn't the same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I think it goes to show you that, like, the beauty with so so many of these uh, unscripted shows is that they really are, like, lightning in a bottle, and you can't recreate that magic. And that's why so many reality shows come and go, and there are only a handful that, like, really stick and, and find that place in the zeitgeist. But again, you yeah. can't you can't, like, just copy and paste it you know 15 years later and expect it to be the same because the the context is completely different now you know and then the part that's craziest to me is the reason why the hills stood out to me was because it was a reality show that was shot like a scripted show like it was right. shot with like professional tv cameras and it was shot in a very specific type of format and it was yeah. and, 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 and like it was cut in a very certain way that it was left almost like a soap opera versus like a reality show where there weren't confessionals back then and like right. trying to implement the greatness of what that was now and then give them confessionals especially like it's like like it's too far gone for me because like the fourth wall has been broken we know that most of the storylines were 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 fake we we like know that you guys were like fed through your text message like we know like so much about the show now i'm trying to give it a professional aspect and add this modern reality tv take on a show that was already blown out of the water is fake it's like how are we supposed to actually consume this yeah exactly and and the other thing too is like the whole vibe of the hills in particular was that it was about like this group of girls who had just moved to la and were like so green and wide-eyed and had like no idea anything about this industry and so now you like that that's just no longer the case and so it's a completely different show you're bringing back these people who have now been in the industry for decades and like know the inner workings and are basically pros at manipulating everything so it's just it's not the same vibe like so i i'm excited about the the prospect of like this new hills maybe having that feel again where it's a bunch of like young girls who are who are just like really fresh and new to this entire world because like that is when you get people at their most vulnerable and when they're at their most vulnerable um and i don't mean like vulnerable as in weak i mean like just uh raw and honest um, right and that's what that's what makes good reality tv you know and i think we all saw and i you know i i know a lot of people love heidi and spencer and especially now i think spencer has changed a lot but mm-hmm. watching the show you know it, during its original run like there was a very clear point where you could see like okay spencer and heidi are like now 
clearly playing a game or they're playing roles they're like they're they're playing producers you know um mm-hmm. and so i would prefer to not see that um you know and that and, and that kind of thing works on other shows like i think that i don't mind as much like in the real housewives when you have these women who are kind of puppeteering stuff and being manipulative because they are older established you know maybe they have a career they're like it makes more sense for that type of woman to be a manipulative person IRL versus mm-hmm. like on the hills again like I like I said not to beat a dead horse but like they were supposed Dude, to be new and be young real. and innocent right. and like well, I don't know what Hollywood's even about I've never been to a club before you know so once mm-hmm. once once they started like really feeding into and like playing up like their part in the whole Hollywood uh world it it wasn't as um they didn't feel the as authentic yeah yeah exactly because once Heidi and Spencer see for me once Heidi and Spencer became Spidey mm-hmm. then it was oh they know oh they know what they're oh okay it's not oh okay this is just too much now right but it's like they jump the shark and it's like oh you're caricatures now oh okay see i don't like that exactly i don't like that for you yeah and and even like you know heidi had like her music career which on one hand like iconic and like so like no i mean honestly not bad at all and everything about it yeah and everything about it was like pure camp and like i like part of me loves it like she was the original erica jane in a way but but it it to me like i can appreciate that on one side but i can also recognize that it took away from the show because you you recognize like okay she, she just wants to be famous she never was really working like you know in pr that was never the goal like that you just kind of it it kind of clarified that we were being played in a way for me but again pure camp loved it i like will still still like put on superficial if someone asks me to <laughs> and to the camp of it her having those 10 surgeries in one day and then oh my coming God. back with that face and being a pop star literally it was intense like a fun bot yeah no one million it was like barbarella 2.0 like it was amazing television but it was not realistic however five years later erica jane would have killed body language let's be very (laughs) clear about that yeah just imagine erica just imagine erica jane saying yeah yeah no no honestly like i said i I like i can appreciate it for again like i think it's so different in the world of the housewives because like the housewives we we see uh, like this uh stereotypical version of a housewife that we that we've created via bravo is camp you know like that's what a housewife is is over the top and and dramatic and messy and like we've seen them all have these like crazy outlandish side careers and you know how many of them have picked up a microphone but yeah again like the vibe on the hills was just so different than that and and when heidi started morphing into that like weird caricature of herself it for me yeah just like the the show kind of lost its footing so to answer your question that you asked like 20 minutes ago i'm sorry this is so long-winded but that's kind of why when when they did the reboot i like didn't i wasn't like super interested in it i was just like eh, i feel like i i 
I get enough of that like ridiculousness from from the other shows that I know and love and like I just didn't really care about these characters that much anymore. That makes perfect sense. Can you remember the moment when you knew you had to create content about Bravo pop culture reality TV? Like when was the moment when you were like, yeah, I'm pulling the trigger on this podcast? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so I actually had another podcast that I did for a couple years um, called The Church of Housewives. And I hosted that with two of my other friends. And that was kind of formed, honestly, like on a double date uh, with m- me and my husband and then this other couple. And we were just talking about the housewives and, and me and uh, one of the other guys. We were just like, oh my God, we should totally start a, a podcast about this. And so we linked up with a third friend and we did that show for for a couple of years and <clears throat> excuse me it initially was just the podcast and then I kind of like picked up the social media stuff mostly just to promote the podcast I wasn't really creating content um <clears throat> but after a couple of years of doing that show it, it just became really um tedious and difficult to schedule the three of us uh and then we we would have guests on all the time we interviewed housewives all the time and so just trying to like manage three or four people's schedules to like figure out a time to record just got really difficult and so i was noticing that um we were recording less and less frequently like there would be times where we would go like three or four weeks without putting an episode out and it just wasn't the 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 level of commitment that I really wanted to give to it. Like I I wanted to go full force and, you know, like I said, I'm a Capricorn. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So yeah. yeah. So it was pretty much at the, uh, right around new year's this past year. So coming into 2022, I just made uh, a new year's resolution to start a new show that I was going to do myself. And I wanted to branch out of just talking about the housewives um, and and have it be more open-ended where I could talk about anything and everything that I wanted to. Um, so I, I got the idea. I, like I said, it was like my New Year's resolution. And within the first few weeks of January, I like hustled and, and did everything I needed to do to like get it all put together and come up with what I wanted to do and the name and the brand and and the vibe. And I, you know, had like my theme song produced and I had my little like logo created and all of that. And um, by, I think it was like the third week of January this year, I interviewed Katie Maloney from Vanderpump Rules for my very first episode. And so that was- Thank you, yeah. And so that was my first episode. I was able to put that all together and get that out, you know, within three weeks, in three weeks into the new year. So I think for a new year's resolution, that's pretty pretty good getting that done. Um, good. Yeah, and then yeah, I've so that again was the beginning of this year. Uh, I have put out forty one episodes so far to date. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so the the podcast itself is really important to me. I love doing it. Like I said, I talk a lot about the housewives, but I also talk a lot about other things, other pop culture moments. But I also discuss my life a lot, um, which is something that I didn't do on the Church of Housewives. It was all housewives all the time. And this podcast is much more personal. Um, And so in that, in, you know, 
really opening myself up and allowing my listeners to connect with me. I wanted my social media to reflect that as well and not just be like promoting the show, promoting the show, promoting the show. So I started creating content as a way to kind of put my face next to my voice or like kind of connect them together so people could have that like face and name and sound and voice recognition all all coinciding um so yeah so i started making reels and putting up videos and i tweet a lot because i you know i want my it's not so much about like I need my opinions out there all the time, but it's like, this is the, the voice of my podcast and this is the voice of the brand that I'm creating. And so I, I really try to um, put as much out there as possible so people can can connect with it. And that to me has been like the best part about doing this podcast in particular is that I have just within you know the past 11 months that I've been doing it, I've connected with so many incredible people like yourself, um, people who have asked me to come on their shows, people who have come on my show, um, even just like this community that has kind of formed on social media around my my podcast. Uh, we call them the Black Heart Club. And there's like a whole, a whole community of people that have kind of rallied around me and this show. And it it is so cool. And it's the the greatest feeling ever to know that like you're putting something out there and it's actually being received and it's not just kind of floating off into nowhere um yeah so that's that's kind of been like the drive behind all of it is is just wanting to really uh find a way to I mean, we all have opinions. We all talk about the housewives and there's literally, I mean, if you're on social media, you, you can see a hundred people talking about the same breaking news bit in a day. You know, we're all talking about the same stuff. So it's how do you stand out from there? And right. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to sound cocky, but I think that I do have a unique perspective and I do think I have something to say and I do think that my my voice and my opinions are are worthy of people listening to. I mean, I hope that doesn't sound conceited, but if I didn't think that, I don't no. know why I'd be doing this, you know? Exactly. That's so, yeah. Problem. So, like, if you didn't think you would have shit, why then why get on the mic? Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I think that's kind of the the um the goal ultimately is to like maybe prove that to myself a little bit or, or just validate that but uh the the greatest gift I've received in doing all of this is that you know people out there are listening and then they respond and then I, I get to have these really great conversations I absolutely love that how did you come up with the name blonde hair black heart yeah so I mean I have blonde hair, blonde uh, hair. So, that, um, so I'm I'm like a, uh, extremely um, <laughs> yeah no I I'm like very tell it like it is I'm extremely blunt I've always been that friend that is going to give you the hard truths and so I've kind of found like always felt and I've, I've felt this consistently, like even when I was a kid, that people like they they think for whatever reason that I'm like really tough and, and hard and like I don't give any shits because I'm just so brazen like that. But you're the strong friend. Exactly. But I deep down am probably like the most emotional and like biggest softy you would ever meet. Like I 
literally cry all the time. Um, everything like makes me emotional. So it's, I like to joke that it's like, it's not that I don't have a heart. It's just that it's black, you know, like it's a little bit tougher, <laughs> but like, it's still there guys. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's not about, and, and so for the podcast and the vibe, you know, it's, it's not about being heartless. It's not about cutting people down, but it's about being able to, uh, you know, wrap the, the snark and the jokes and the, the tea and the reads in some like true, um, love. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but like I do again, and that's part of the, the reason why I wanted to make the show more personal and I didn't want it to just be about the housewives I wanted it to be about really like telling my story and obviously part of my story is that I watch the housewives all the fucking time um, right. but, <laughs> but yeah but so I feel like if I can make fun of myself and if I can you know talk about my shortcomings and the things that I'm going through in a funny way then I can also do that about like the housewives or about celebrities like I don't want to just be someone that just rips on celebrities all the time like I'm going to rip on myself a little bit too but again all of it is wrapped in love and empathy and compassion and i i truly try not to like go below the belt on my show um and and it's hard because sometimes you don't know what is below the belt and like that's always subjective and there have been times where i've had to you know take a step back and and apologize for something that i said but ultimately everything comes from like a place of of love and just wanting to have like a fun light conversation you know like i said it's a, you can have a black heart but that doesn't mean you don't have a heart period <laughs> of course now how do you feel that the bravo fandom has embraced your podcast versus the bravo community like since you're interviewing people that are within the actual bravo universe as far as like katie and, and you know all, all of the people how do you feel like the reception has been within like the industrial part of of bravo versus you know the fans yeah yeah i mean uh it's there there are like i feel like in both aspects like with the fans there are some like the the bravo fandom there are some people that love my content and love my podcast and love what i put out and there are some that that hate me for whatever reason um and like same with the with the bravo celebrities you know like like i said i i really try never to go I like try to not ever really go below the belt or say things that are too uh, offensive. Um, but you, when you have an opinion, you're always going to piss someone off, you know? So yeah. I have a lot of Bravo celebrities that, you know, I, that I interact with. Um, I have a handful that I text with. I have their phone numbers. Um, and a lot of them are really great. And I think the, what's so interesting about like Bravo celebrities and reality stars in general compared to like, you know, quote unquote, A-list celebrities, like actors and musicians and uh, athletes and stuff, is I think that that the reality stars and the Bravo celebrities really understand how important the fans are to their uh, longevity on these shows. And they understand that the fans really do, in a way, drive you know, who's going to come back, who isn't going to come back. You know, we're, we are really like the focus group that, that the networks are looking to. So I, I do think that a lot of the Bravo celebrities 
embrace that and embrace the fans or maybe even take advantage of that in some ways. Like I have definitely had some Bravo celebrities like slide into my DMs and try to get me to do their dirty work for them, which I know happens mm. to a lot of accounts. Um, I have some Bravo celebrities that I used to be friends with and now they, I am since blocked because I said something that they didn't like or I had an opinion that they didn't like. Um, so there's all all of that. And then same with like the Bravo holics, like the Bravo fans. Uh, the vast majority of the Bravo holics are amazing and they're great. And I think we all really understand that like there are so many shows, there are hundreds of Bravo celebrities, like the, the odds of us agreeing on on any of them is are like so low so let's like you know let's not take it all that seriously if you and i don't see eye to eye on this one housewife feud it's okay we're entitled to have our different opinions and like odds are maybe we'll agree on something next season or like we might not agree on beverly hills but like what are your thoughts on potomac like there's always some middle ground that that can be found there um i think the problem is a lot of bravo holics are a little bit Trumpian in their like mm. blind allegiance to some of these women. Um, yeah. And they, they will literally like die for these women. And it's really not that deep, um, nor would these women die for you. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's, you know, you take what you can get. Ultimately, I feel like the response that I receive on all ends is, is vastly positive um you know little bits of negative sneak in here and there but it's par for the course it is what it is of course can you speak to, to the complexities of getting like public figures housewives reality stars you know the like on your show versus people who aren't necessarily of that that specific spectrum yeah i mean honestly because of the way like this like it's it just the time that we're in it's really all six of one half a dozen of the other i mean everyone is so diy now even major celebrities and so yeah i've had a bunch of bravo lebs on my show you know like i said i've had katie on i've interviewed megan king from real Housewives of orange county like i've had a a bunch on um i've interviewed tamra judge before so like but but i also have interviewed a lot of people who are uh, celebrities that are like outside of the Bravo world and that you would consider more like quote unquote like A-list that actors like I spoke about but even with them it's still like you know when they come on the chat it's them just like sitting on their couch with their computer and they're on Zoom and like half the time they don't even know how to get it set up and so it all I feel like we're all on a very even playing field right now which is very cool and you know like we talked about um look how many celebrities are doing podcasts now and are doing these right. rewatch podcasts or recaps of their old shows and stuff like that and so i think a lot Rewind, of people if you will. yeah <laughs> exactly um and so i think a lot like a lot of people who are used to working on like these very professional sets like going to the the studio lot and making a blockbuster movie now they're like content creators in a way um right. and it's a, it's a really interesting and cool pivot where now i think we're all a little more interconnected um obviously the biggest hurdle when trying to book any guest is like tracking them down or nailing them down and then with the, with an you know high profile guest you have a lot of scheduling that you have to work out um i've had a handful of people who are 
coming on my show and you know it's like five minutes before we're supposed to record and I get an email saying they have to reschedule or like I a couple years ago when I was doing the Church of Housewives podcast we were supposed to interview Jen Shaw and this was before the arrest scandal or anything but she just like never even showed um so stuff happens you know uh but yeah I I Honestly, though, I mean, as much fun as it is interviewing celebrities and, and like the Bravo Lebs and stuff, I have such fun conversations with like, you know, the regular Joes like you and I. And, and mm-hmm. I like even when they're not, I, I'll have a lot of other like Bravo Holic accounts on and we'll talk about the shows and stuff. But on some of my episodes, I'll just bring on like my friends. Um, like I have a really funny episode from uh, back in February. I think it was like my Valentine's Day episode. I just brought on one of my best girls girlfriends from like my entire life and we just told like really crazy ridiculous stories about our ex-boyfriends um Mm. and so like that kind of stuff is really fun too you know so i i just think it's it's great that we're at a place where like i really feel like everyone kind of gets each other and we kind of get that this medium is just like fun and light and so there's no pressure whether you're you know my best friend from second grade or you're another bravoholic or you're tamra judge like it you know we all just can kiki together yeah and you know part of the reason why i asked that is because i started out this podcast strictly deciding to reach out to like content creators and like super fans reality television because i have had a youtube channel before and you know all of that stuff and i've like you know tried to reach out to people to to interview and do stuff and there's a lot of red tape and complexities and you know scheduling and things that you speak to and so it kind of was like i don't then on top of that there's a lot of guardedness that goes on with them like they don't want to say certain things they don't want to speak about certain things they don't want to be asked about certain things they're worried about who's going to perceive them in what way right it also leads to like a really complex intense type of interview right Mm -hmm. so but with that being said as this podcast is going along i've kind of realized that point that you're making that it is kind of a lot easier to reach out to you know people who we would consider harder to get in touch with maybe six months ago a year ago two years ago and i'm starting to see that the names of people or the caliber of people that I'm able to actually get in contact or get to respond to an email is getting bigger and bigger. And I'm like, oh, okay. So maybe I'm not... yeah. What I'm saying is I like went into this podcast a bit jaded when it came to interviewing celebrities. And now I'm... Because it seems like due to the pandemic and due to all of the things that we've gone through, it seems like everybody's kind of gone back to ground zero. And we were, <laughs> like we're all kind of working our way back up to the middle yeah exactly above water exactly and like i for example i had um uh, a woman named olivia allen on my podcast a few weeks ago and she is the co-host of a podcast called broad ideas with rachel bilson who is you know summer from the oc and so she so olivia is rachel's best friend they've been best friends for like 20 or 30 years and they do this podcast together and um their podcast it's not like a rewatch or a nostalgia podcast they just have other guests on and they just like it's called broad 
broad ideas and they literally just talk about broad ideas. Like they, they shoot the shit and talk about anything and everything. And I am a fan of that podcast. And I literally just DM'd Olivia on Instagram and was like, hi, I'm a fan of your podcast. Do you want to come on mine? And she responded and was like, yeah, sure. And that week she came on my podcast and it was like one of my favorite episodes, but it was Wait. just that, that connection of like, Hey, I'm a fan of your podcast. I'm in the same boat. We're both like doing the same thing. Um, and that, I don't think that that would have been possible had she been doing like a TV show with Rachel Bilson. You know, it's just, it's the fact that we're all operating in the same medium. Like you said, with the pandemic, we were all working from home DIY, like, you know, with, with in our pajamas. So we just feel like, mm -hmm. like everyone is, is more casual. Yeah, exactly. And that has created a really cool opportunity for us. Um, but I think it also creates a really great opportunity for celebrities or for these notable figures because it does humanize them in a way and it does like they don't have to get everything approved by their PR people anymore they aren't like concerned about every single interview or making sure that they look perfect in every single moment because like the whole world went to shit for two or three years you know so right. we can all just kind of like really recognize that like we're all we're all on this even playing field we're all doing the same thing and like hey i'm a fan of yours you're a fan of mine let's let's collab baby you know 100 percent emphasis on the collab yeah what do you think your ultimate goal is as a podcaster and now content creator yeah um i mean i love doing what i do i love talking to people i have always loved that um i went to college for theater and communications so like you know i i tell people that i like went to school to talk basically like literally all right. i would do is have classes and like public speaking or like improv or just where i was just getting up in front of people and talking um and it's my favorite thing to do so i would love to just continue doing what i'm doing maybe parlay it into other hosting opportunities you know whether that's on camera whether that's other audio opportunities like radio additional podcasts um i'm i'm uh i'm open to anything um i'm i'm definitely trying to expand the brand and like really like i said create this community where i think um w you know we we should be all open to having our opinions and even our controversial opinions and especially like in this reality tv world and the bravo verse and all of that like that's the point like if if the fans aren't talking about it then there's there is no show so we need to be talking about it but i do want us to all remember to like wrap it in love like i said you know like you, even if your heart is black like have a heart and and let's try and be like a little bit kinder and gentler and and more empathetic to one another so that's what i really hope to to grow and expand with this black heart club that i've created um and it's it's so funny i mean i don't know where you stand on this past season of real housewives of beverly hills but it, it was completely <laughs> completely unintentional um you know I've, I've been doing the blonde hair black heart thing for longer than you know this season was airing but I didn't intend for it to become like an anti-Lisa Rinna thing. She just kind of like did that on her own when she made that black heart comment to Kathy Hilton. So yeah. it's it's not intended to be a dig at, at Lisa Rinna. It's not intended to be like a Kathy Hilton fan club by any means. But if if people want to take it that way, I mean, sure. I, I sell merch. So drives hoodies. Yeah, oh, there boy. you go. <laughs> 
I mean, hey, if it drives the listeners, go for it. Exactly, lead exactly. <laughs> lead them in with the hook and keep them with the content. Right, exactly. Thanks, Lisa Rinna. <laughs> Appreciate you, girl. Now, now speaking of <laughs> speaking of Lisa Rinna, what defines an unpopular opinion for you? Um, I mean, an unpopular opinion, I think, is just anyone that goes against the majority. Um, and a lot of times it's hard to decipher what is the majority. And, and sometimes there is no majority. Sometimes there's like a 50-50 split. But a lot of times in these shows, there is like um, a very clear public opinion. And then some people that are kind of, you know, outside on the fray. Um, and and that's totally cool. Like I have my sh fair share of unpopular opinions, you know? Um, so I, I think if anything, people that are able to own their unpopular opinions and not really waver based off of like what the crowd is saying, good for you. Based on your definition, what's been your most unpopular piece of content or most unpopular, um, uh, 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 opinion so my i think like overall in like the his my history as a bravo holic um my number one housewife of all time like my ride or die the only one that i probably will like never say Damn. something negative about is heather dubrow which is extremely controversial so that has really been like a Yes, yeah, because she she definitely has interesting, not necessarily controversial, but do elaborate. Yeah, so I mean it's it's definitely been controversial um because she's kind of she kind of rides a roller coaster during her time on the show. Like she'll have times where she's a fan favorite and then she has times where the fans absolutely hate her. I mean, look at last season, season 16, when they announced her coming back, it was like, you know, everyone in the Bravoverse was like cheering and popping champagne. Captain Save a Hold the Bro. It it was the the you know best news that we'd heard in years. But mm -hmm. as the season progressed, like by the end of the season, the the popular opinion with the fans was that she was like a monster, and I didn't see it that way. So I think, and I never will see it that way. <laughs> so I think <laughs> that that's that's my biggest unpopular opinion. Um, this like recently i i've found it difficult um and i know that <laughs> i know that this is gonna be an unpopular opinion for you in particular because i have listened uh -oh. to your show um uh -oh. <laughs> i i, I have been in safe space it's okay i know i have been vehemently in defense of crystal kung minkoff and especially in her in her uh kind of feud that we saw with her and kyle and i know that you took issue with some of the stuff she said but so this season being a crystallizer has been an unpopular opinion um i do think towards the end of the season and especially during the reunion she she got a lot more um like of the fans on her side but overall yeah that was not a popular opinion to like be a, a team crystal in fact last night i did a panel um there were like seven of us i think uh discussing this season of the real housewives of beverly hills and when it came to the crystal discussion i was the only one that was on the defense of crystal like i was on an island by myself so that's my current and most recent unpopular opinion let's talk about that because i <laughs> oh god okay no because like i listen 
the point of this show is for me to bring people on of any and all opinion, mm-hmm. personality, whatever, what, what have you, and like give them platforms to tell their story through their reality TV. And it's not for me to debate their opinion. It's for me to try to understand their opinion through them telling their story, right? Right. So even if I don't agree with you, I still want to hear me, right? Yeah. Because maybe there's something that you'll say that'll make me be like, okay, well, fair point. Like, I, like I, I don't flat out hate people, nor do I flat out stand people. So I can always be, you know, swayed with a, with a good and fair point. This, right, right. You know what I mean? So, like, for me, you were saying how, you know, towards the end of the season, Crystal got side and, like, gained more of, of the fans. And for me, it was the complete opposite. Right. I started this season as a huge Crystal fan, loved Crystal and went on I was like I am further and further not understanding what's happening with your presentation on the show and then the reunion just sent me into a complete tailspin right 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 so speak to me about your experience with her yeah I mean I think that Crystal has been baited a lot I think that a lot of Crystal's storyline and feud with um, like you know all of this stuff with, with Sutton and and quote unquote dark comment gate and all of that I feel like um, you know regardless of whether or not you agree with Crystal or you think that something was or wasn't said I, I personally feel like she wasn't the cause of this being dragged out for two seasons now. I feel like it's constantly being brought up by the other women. In fact, like when this was brought up initially this year, it was brought up by Garcelle and, and you know, Crystal's response about, you know, mentioning that, that things were said that were dark wasn't, you know, pulled out of nowhere and it wasn't done or said to try and throw Sutton under the bus. She was saying it to defend herself against Garcelle, who was accusing her of, of trying to set Sutton up in a racially motivated way. And that, I, that in and of itself, I think is a pretty damning accusation. So I understand why Crystal was like, no, like, like, let me try and give you a little bit of context. And I recognize that she was in a tough situation because she's like, how much context can I give without throwing Sutton under the bus? And it seemed like no matter what she said or didn't say, it it was never going to be enough. Um, and I think that she felt that and recognized it. And I feel like she kept trying to say that over and over again and shut it down as did Sutton and none of the other ladies would. And so I feel like by the reunion, we finally saw her owning that and being like, look, like whatever I say isn't going to be enough. You don't have to get it. Stop acting like you are trying to get it, Kyle. Like she, I feel like she just really found a voice. Um, I recognize that some people might not like necessarily agree with the things she said, but I think fans were happy that she finally spoke up and that she finally like really defended herself because we hadn't seen her do that previously. I agree with everything that, that you just said right I agree with all of that my problem with Crystal comes in is when it seems like in the moments of her defending herself it seems like she contradicts the things that she said because I find myself riding with Crystal on certain things and then she'll take it absolutely too far like like per example of like what I'm saying about that I was 100% in defense of Crystal using the term violated for Sutton bringing her the jacket, right? Because based on textbook definition, someone invading your personal space is 
textbook definition of violated coupled with the fact that she's experienced trauma assault and eating disorder all of those things how somebody can register that as trauma makes complete sense to me right i'm with you however where that goes too far for me is you now use that to conflate kyle's home being broken into as a validation for what you're saying because there was never at any point a time where Sutton was going to put you in any actual danger, right? Kyle could have actually had her safety put in danger. Those are two completely different things. It's like, that's not the same thing for me. Yeah, I think she wasn't trying to necessarily compare or conflate the situations, but I think for her, it's like if she now for uh, for two years has been told like, that's a really big word that like the and and she's constantly like they're constantly the word police with her, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think for her, it was just like probably in the moment it 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 wasn't even really about the, the situation. It was just like, wait, so you get to use that word whenever you want, but I can't use it. When, when it feels right for me. You know what I mean? And the that is is 100% correct. The example she used is, is what I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Because the example that she used like really kind of overtakes her entire point and it's like, whoa, that's not a good example. Completely different Thanks. things. And there was no point where Sutton could have actually killed you. Do you get what I mean? It's like right. there could have been a different approach to that. But for me... There's things like, like Crystal saying throughout the season, Sutton said something dark. Sutton said something problematic. Something said, Sutton said something deeper. And then get to the reunion and say that Sutton never said anything that was specifically dark. And my from the conversation was what led me to have that feeling. Completely different things. And I see why everybody is like, I took that 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 a really big way because it's like th- those are not the same thing. While those two points, you saying that somebody said something and then saying your experience from a conversation that you had with them, those are two completely different things. I mean, I. I don't know. I kind of take it a different way because I feel like the only the only way that we interpret conversations is subjectively. Um, there, un- unless, uh, unless like, it's so hard to to put a black and white definition onto something that someone says because something that someone says will always be interpret interpret interpreted excuse excuse me um based off of someone's own experiences so like i don't think that crystal was ever trying to say that like there was one specific word or phrase that was used that like everyone would think is racist and in fact she never said that so there she never said if you watch back she never said anything about a comment or one specific thing in fact what she constantly said is there was much more that was said there was more there was more she said she said something problematic she specifically used those words and said she said something problematic right but again it was like it it wasn't in my opinion it was never explained by crystal as like there was one specific word or phrase that was said because when they were talking about this in tahoe at the beginning of this season when garcelle brought it up 
what she literally said was there was much more said and she tried to explain that it wasn't just the one conversation that night or the one conversation the next day, it was an amalgamation of everything. And I think that that's fair, especially if you, you look at the context of her relationship with Sutton at that time. She had just met her, um, Sutton, and Sutton is, you know, significantly older. They're from a very different demographic. And the only real experience she has of Sutton at this time is Sutton yelling at her and telling her to stop talking about race when Crystal was trying to explain how she's experienced microaggressions, you know? So that in and of itself to me is dark and problematic. So I think she's just explaining like, no, I wasn't setting her up as Garcelle said. There was stuff that was said, probably including that, including some other stuff. There was probably a lot of it and including her experience of it based off of where they stood at that time. And I think that's why it's so important that Crystal made it very clear consistently this season, at the beginning of the season when this came up, at the reunion, she continuously said like, this is all based off of how I felt a year ago or two years ago. This is how I felt back then. At that time, I thought the comments were dark. I don't think she was ever trying to say like, now in present time, we need to, we need to like address these dark comments. I think what she was always trying to say is look, back then, it was dark, it was weird, it was problematic, but like we're past that now. Um, and I think that's where things got really convoluted is for whatever reason, everyone this season took it as as if Crystal brought this stuff up on camera to try and throw Sutton under the bus again, but she she didn't bring this up. In fact, she was defending- I don't think that. Yeah, and, and I, but I think that's how, the, I think that's what a lot of the ladies on the show, like it felt like they were all, the this conversation came up and it was all, on Crystal and it was Crystal's responsibility to either either not say anything or say everything but ultimately she didn't bring this up so she wasn't ever given a choice in the matter you know so Garcelle brings I this up that. and now she's <laughs> like well well shit what do I do you know um and See, I, I personally that, the problem for me is when you're Something is different. Like she also went on Watch What Happens Live, and when Andy tried to pray, said again and asked her what the comments were that were so dark that she keeps re referring to. She says, oh, "Oh, it's not that." She said something else, and then doesn't say. And then she gets to the reunion and says she didn't say anything. So it's I think hard her, for me to yeah. understand where to where to go with that because it's like right. I can understand. Why think? And for me, listen, it's problematic for me because if you take that and put it in a specific context, there are people who are losing their freedom and their lives based on that. And like her saying things like requesting Michael Jackson is problematic is extremely irritating, and and that in itself is problematic to me because based on the valid is the very reason why there who are in, in jail based on false false charges like in the name of Emmett Till the shit that she that that she that she sets up is problematic whether she brought it up or not it, it's like you can't bring up you you can't defend yourself with something and then say that it's your experience from that and not with that like 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 that doesn't hold do you get me? Like, like, like that's not something 
Like, if Sutton was Whoa. on trial for some shit, like, based on the stuff that Sutton has said this season, Candy should, should have been canceled based on what Deidre said. Like, it's like, you can't more more careful with the way she verbalizes what she says because like they kept telling her all season based on the way that you're verbalizing the things that you're saying you're leading other people to take a certain feeling or you're you're setting it up to look a certain way based on what you're in the full context your response is leading people to think a certain thing but then you're not clarifying what you're saying right okay. but i so think the, the thing that you touched issue. on Right, but the thing you touched on is that this isn't a court of law, um, and and you know no one is on the on the witness stand. And I think my point still stands that like Crystal didn't bring any of this up; she was baited into all of this, and so it's either she either but the things that she said makes her more confusion for me because well, you right, can't but so bring she either says as a defense, but not you're making someone else look bad based on a defense that you're saying for yourself, and you're saying that based on you being friends with her now that you're saying, but you're not saying certain things and you're making her look worse. Like, how can you say that I'm not saying right, certain but... things because of the place that we're in now, but based on you not saying certain things, you're making her look like she said, like you're hurting Sutton by not saying that, but you're saying that, that you're protecting your friendship. But don't you find it interesting that Sutton sat there the entire reunion and didn't say a word, and then when she was finally asked about it, she literally just kind of said exactly what Crystal's been saying? And don't you find it interesting that a year ago, Sutton made a public apology on Instagram because she admitted to saying problematic things to Crystal? So, I, I don't know, I think it's also... I think very, that apology very was reasonable. that she didn't see color. Like, was that... But I think it's very reasonable to believe that there is a good chance that Crystal is is trying her, her hardest to protect them both. I think that she is not saying exactly what was said because it, it could be damaging to Sutton. And I think that she's in a sticky situation because she's being told by people they're bringing I wish she up this, just this said subject that from the beginning instead of changing her story over the course of the season because the things that she said have led her to look like she's contradicting herself over the course of the season and if she would have just flat out said I don't want to say what it is because we are friends now and the shit that I'm saying now da 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 da, da like I like like had she said what she said at the reunion to Garcelle in that moment I wouldn't have the same opinion do you get what I mean I feel like the journey to get to what she said at the reunion was overshadowed by a lot of contradicting and conflicting things that she said to what she said on camera versus what she said on watch. Well, whoa, whoa, why? <laughs> what happens live and you know, so on and so forth. So it's like, I would have just gone there from because her trying to defend herself through Sutton under the bus in the process but then you get to the reunion and you make it seem like it's a different situation and it's just like I I get what you were trying to do but your but your execution in doing it made you look very efficient do you get what I'm saying uh I mean I think we'll we'll just agree to disagree on this one <laughs> that's fair that's fair but I just feel like you know it doesn't have like Reality shows are a microcosm of what America really is. And I feel like the situation that was put on camera in any other context would have been a much worse situation. And so I just feel like you can't ignore the complexities of that and sweep it under, oh, she's just defending herself. But we will move on to that. 
Okay. <laughs> so this or that is a game where we go Tyra Banks style. I give you two housewives, you give one a contract. Alrighty. Drew or Sanya? Drew. Kenya or Marlo? Kenya. Kyle or LVP? Oh, LVP. Monique or Candace? <sighs> if you had asked me last season, I would have said Monique, but right now I'm going to say Candace. Jill or Bethany? Ooh, uh, if you had asked me like a year ago, I would have said Bethany, but right now I'm going to say Jill. <laughs> Gretchen or Alexis? Alexis. Phaedra or Candy? Um, you know what? I love them both, but I feel like we've had Candy for a really long time now, so let's get Phaedra back in there. Vicky or Tamara? <sighs> Tamara. Kelly or Heather? Kelly Dodd? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, God, no. Uh, uh, Heather, for sure. Gina or Emily? Um, I guess Gina, but like neither. Brandy or Denise? Um, Denise, I think. Cynthia or, or Portia? Oof. Uh, Portia. Crystal or Teddy? Crystal. Camille or Rena? Camille. Casa de Sol or Vita Tequila? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, I'll give it to Casa del Sol. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a tequila drinker, but well, you know, I'll I'll take one for Kathy Hilton. <laughs> Why do you think the Bravo fandom is seemingly the most toxic in reality TV? <laughs> are we? Um, yes. Are, are, I I don't know. I mean, I think it might. Racism have been and death threats are far beyond. Yeah. Like, it's a I, bit buying bot to send racist and death threats to a fourteen-year-old. Yeah, the, what the, the Beverly Hills. Yeah, the Beverly Hills fandom is like insane. Um, I don't know what it is. I think in particular with Beverly Hills and and on some of the other cities too, but like you have, and this is not to, to like obviously the trolls are trolls and like that is a problem. But on Beverly Hills in particular, you seem to have some ladies uh, or one lady in particular, the rat queen, who like provokes the trolls, you know? And I think there will always be trolls and that is a problem that needs to be addressed. But I think the best thing that these housewives can do is just like ignore them as best they can and just engage with the like normal human fans and keep doing your show. But when you have housewives who are like kind of trolling back and like publicly saying like, show me what you got, like give it your best shot trolls. And like, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna do what you ask, you know? So um, I think that there is a certain level of responsibility that does fall onto the Bravo Leb's shoulders in in that they can't be like kind of provoking that sort of behavior. Um, now, obviously, within the fandom, we also need to be like holding each other accountable. And that's what I was talking about before and like making sure that all of these opinions that we have are like wrapped in kindness. And I know that seems so counterintuitive when we're like talking about Real Housewives opinions, but I think it's one thing to give our opinions and say I like this housewife or I think that one is is wrong here or whatever. But like we don't need to start like calling each other like ugly fuckers because we disagree about 
you know, Crystal Minkoff, for example. We can agree to disagree. And I think there's just a lot of this, like, blind rage. And like I said before, like, it's almost very Trumpian. And, and I don't know if just, like, the the kind of discourse in America has changed so much and gotten so volatile. And I hope that we can combat that and just, like, have fun, you know? Do you think the network and the and the production companies do enough to protect housewives of color and in turn the audience of color that's watching these shows? No, not at all. Um, not in the least. And I think that it's like such a it's really unfortunate and it's such a tricky thing um, th- that these that unfortunately a lot of the the women of color on these shows have to go through and like we're seeing especially in the past few years how a lot of them are almost tokenized on their shows um mm-hmm. like you know Garcelle Shout being out to the Ebony K. right yeah exactly or even like Tiffany Moon on Dallas that was a hard mm-hmm. one to watch um so yeah I think it is it can be really really problematic and I feel like um I am not the the person to uh, have any sort of solution to that problem. Um, but I do know that it is a problem. And I do know that like the, the fans deserve better, especially like you said, the fans of color who are watching this and, and don't need to be kind of like bombarded with these microaggressions all the time on these shows. And then it becomes problematic in the sense that like, you know, like you said with Ebony K. Williams, like she endured a lot and and now by by some is like accused, she's the reason why Roni was canceled. And it's just like, then that's not fair either. Like you can't, it's just, it's like they, they can't win. And yeah, I mean, I it's, it's really frustrating. It seems like it's been several years of this now. Um, and I really hope we get to a place where the casts can be diverse. There isn't this tokenizing of, you know, a single person of color on an otherwise all white cast. Um, right. I, and then, and, and like, I want us to get to a place where like stories of, of race can come up because they are real and that they are things that, matter in people's lives but where we're not they're not always just like oh another another housewife of color is is you know being microaggressed against like we I, i'd rather i want to learn about their culture and i want to learn about like their their diversity and and their race in a way that's not just like problematic like there's a lot of beautiful ways to show those stories and we're only seeing the negative stories absolutely so yeah yeah Yeah, that completely sucks I just you know I think there needs to be so much like I think that the networks are pushing diversity within the cast and thinking that that's going to pacify us when really the problem is 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 that there's not enough diversity in internally to check the things that they not only let the housewives say but the things that the editors let slide the things you know people don't consider because they don't have that foresight I think that right. there needs to be more people in the rooms to be like um um um, um. know what I mean yeah. 
definitely. How do you think we as content creators can contribute to the maturity of the fan base experience on social media? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we lead by example. And I think we just, you know, do whatever we can to make sure that we're not crossing those sort of un, uncrossable lines that you can't really come back from. Um, but obviously, like, we're humans and mistakes are made and, like, you can't predict what will hurt or offend anyone i think the biggest thing is just like recognizing that like our words have power um and i try not to like for me it's really important to not just be like a, a faceless avatar like I, I you know i am representing myself and that carries a lot of weight with me so i'm not just going to be super flippant i'm not just going to say things that i wouldn't normally say i think that's the problem with social media in particular is that people are hiding behind their computer screens and there's so much anonymity that can be had and so people say things that they would just never say to someone's face and i try really hard you know not to to live that way on social media like if i wouldn't say it out loud i'm not gonna type it um and yeah, I also, you know, I get my fair share amount of trolls and people who say nasty things to me and I just try to, you know, I, I hit that that mute button or I hit that block button and I just move on. I feel like there's no reason to engage back. There's no reason to like continue this cycle of nastiness. It just adds more ugly to, you know, other people's feeds. So just move along. You're a great example for that. I try, but I mean, it's, it's sometimes, sometimes it's easier said than done. Um, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, if you got the opportunity to to have your own show, right? Would you do a show focused on your family, or would you do a show focused on your friend group? Um, I would definitely do a show focused on my friend group. I think that. <sighs> while the familial ties are so interesting on these shows like there's a reason why new jersey was like such a, a overnight sensation because you had like those family you know that familial connective tissue um mm -hmm. same with on beverly hills like the the richard sister storylines are always the most compelling in my opinion um but there's just so much more at stake and also my my parents are embarrassing so like i wouldn't even want to go there <laughs> i love that for you shut up <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i don't even know like i don't know what they would even say or do but it would just like they would go viral for the wrong reasons and would just be made into like embarrassing memes so we don't need any of that like i don't have time for this <laughs> yeah <laughs> now join a housewives franchise or create a housewives franchise where are you leaning um like if i had to like if i was gonna be on one um i mean i i think because i don't live in any of the cities where the shows are taking place they'd have to create a new one but if i had to join any of these casts i think i would probably join oc um i i used to live in orange county um so i actually like know a lot of the areas and like i remember uh when i lived there and they were filming the show i used to like sometimes see them out and stuff so i feel like there's already that um connection and yeah i don't know i just i feel like i could get down like i said heather dubrow is my favorite so like any opportunity to like pop the champs with her i'm there love that love that now, if you had the opportunity to work on a reality show, one, which reality show would it be? 
And two, would you want to produce? And- I would love to be a producer. Um, it would be so fun because I feel like what you're basically getting to do, like I, I'm, I'm that friend in a friend group where like I love to give advice. I like to know everything that's going on. Like I want to know like what all of the relationship dynamics are with everyone and then like tell you what what to do to fix them or whatever so I feel (laughs) like being a producer is just getting to be that it's getting to be like the fairy godmother of the friend group um and yeah I, I just think that would be a lot of fun to to just get to kind of like play puppet master behind the scenes do you have a specific show that you'd want to produce um Gosh, I don't know. I mean, definitely not Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I feel like those ladies are scary. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it might be fun to take on one of the newer shows. Like, maybe it would be fun to produce, like, Real Girlfriends in Paris or something, where you really are kind of creating the tone and the vibe of the show from scratch versus a lot of these shows that are already around and have kind of... Uh, they, they've already formed their kind of... Um, like vibe in the Bravoverse, uh, it'd be fun to take on a new show or a newer show and really get to like mold it into what it's going to become. So you want the new hill spin off? Yeah, basically, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Love that. Now, what is the biggest lesson you've learned from reality television? Oh God. I mean, I think just to be open and honest and communicative. I think for for so long we were kind of told to like be passive and just like keep our mouth shut and like it's not worth it to you know like get into arguments it's not worth it just like deal with it basically and i think it's really important in our friend groups to be honest and open and that's something that i've definitely taken from the housewives is that i don't bite my tongue um now i'm not like you know throwing wine in my friends faces but i do think that like you know the thing about the real housewives is and these shows in general is I understand that they're not, it's not like a normal human situation. And in real life, if you got into a fight with your friend, you might not ever talk to them again, or you might not ever see them again. It's not like you like have to go to a a dinner at their house, you know, for work two days later, you know, Um, you're not being forced to sit down and hash it out with them with Andy Cohen asking you questions, you know, like it's not real, but I think that we can take that idea of like, look, these women are, are kind of being forced to work it out and sit down and like move past it. And and look, like it, it goes to show you that you can be arch enemies with someone one year and the next year you guys can find something that, that bonds you and you can be best friends. And I think far too often in real life, we don't take those opportunities because we just close the door on people. So maybe if we were forced to sit down and have reunions, we would all have more friends. I don't know. You know, you the narrative of friend groups across America right now. I mean, I will host any friend group's reunion that wants to have me. (laughs) I love that. I love Now, what's the most impactful sentiment you've taken from an interview that you've done on your show? Um, yeah, so 
I, I was telling you about the the interview I did with Olivia Allen from Broad Ideas with Rachel Bilson, um, mm-hmm. and this was just last month, so it's a pretty recent episode. Um, everyone right. should go listen to it. But she is a spiritual psychologist um, by day, and then she does her podcast with with Rachel by like later that day. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't think they record at night, but uh, but so our conversation got really deep, and we were talking about you know, relationships, romantic and otherwise. And I was telling her this story about a, a, a recent, I don't want to call it a fight, but like a misunderstanding I got into with a friend and my feelings were hurt. And then when I tried to express my feelings, her feelings got hurt. And so um, I was I was expressing this to Olivia and she was extremely poignant in, in just kind of helping me recognize that, um, nobody nobody triggers us we trigger ourselves we have triggers within us and and we are setting them off based off of our experiences and our mindsets and and the inner voices in our head no one is doing that to us and right. and so ultimately like we have to recognize in those moments like why we're being triggered and and not allow the the like the blame to shift onto someone else because all that is going to do is is affect our communication style um and ultimately every time we communicate out of anger or upset or you know anything that's like a heightened emotion at the the root core of it is is hurt and so if we express to one another more that we're hurting rather than we're angry um Mm -hmm. we will we'll get a lot farther and so that's something that I took away from that conversation. It's, it's something that I have, you know, in the weeks since been working on. Um, but I think it is really important because I think we, as a, as a society, especially as a generation, like millennials were kind of the like, you know, quote unquote sensitive generation. And so I think this, this word or catchphrase of like being triggered and that triggered me and this triggered me and that triggered me it's kind of become the narrative but i think it's important to recognize like nothing is triggering you you're triggering yourself and that's okay like it's okay but you have to recognize that all of that is within yourself no one is coming and, and doing that to you what do you want your audience <laughs> to take away from your show oh god hopefully a lot of laughs i mean it just it sounds like I like based off of that that my episodes are really heavy and they're not (laughs) Uh, they're really fun they're really funny um like I said I I talk a lot about the housewives but I tell a lot of funny anecdotes and personal stories and some that aren't so funny but like I said with everything I try and you know blanket it in in some light-hearted energy and make everything not so so deep and and dark to quote crystal (laughs) yeah so yeah so hopefully people yeah so hopefully people can just take away some laughs maybe relate a little bit to the things that i'm talking about um yeah it just and 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 connect whether it's with me or with other listeners of the podcast the black heart club just uh yeah just just connection that's that's what i'm all about and that's uh that's hopefully what my listeners will take away from any episode. What's the interview you're waiting to do? Oh man. Um, well, I have a handful coming up that I'm pretty excited about. Um, 
I mean, like my dream interview, like like goals, like life goals, put it on my like vision board. Um, yeah. I mean, to to be the person who gets to like sit down and interview Britney Spears once and for all, like like after Whoa. all of this, that would be epic. Um, she's she's my number one. I actually have a Britney Spears tattoo. I'm that guy. Love that. Uh, I love, love that. her so much. Um, and again, well, I, I think- also have Grace Jones, Prince, and Aaliyah. Oh, nice. And- there you go. Oh, Aaliyah. I plan on getting Janet. Love, so. love it. Love it. Well, and so Britney always was compared to Madonna, but she has said so many times that Janet is like her true inspiration. And if you like watch right. her early dances, it's all Janet inspired. Um, That's why I but whoever- her so hard. <laughs> right? Like, but Britney a bitch, baby. Yeah. So, so anyone who gets that opportunity again, it's gonna have to be, you know, done in in a way where you're asking such intense, personal, tough questions. So it's gonna be ha- it's gonna have to be wrapped in a lot of love. And maybe I'm the right person to do that. So I don't know. <laughs> so let's go there for a second. Say you're yeah. the person that she calls to say, "Hey, come help me write my book." Mm-hmm. What's the first question you're asking? The first question I would ask her is, how are you? Good. Without a doubt. That's a great um, And I think that that, I think that that is the question that was not asked of her for so long. For so um, And I think that that question in and of itself would provide so many answers. You know, I think it opens up the, the door to really talk about everything. Um, and then... Yeah, and then I would just, I would really just want to hear her story. Um, and and I think that we know so many of like the the details and we know a lot of like the, the minutia of it all, but what we don't know is like her experience and what she was thinking throughout it all. So yeah, just, just really hearing where she is now um, how she is now, like a year out of the conservatorship, and and hopefully with a lot more clarity, um, and then and then being able to reflect back and and kind of like, you know, dive into those those moments that are like forever ingrained in in pop culture history, but like in such a skewed way. You know what I mean? Like let's let's rewrite those moments for you. I think that to me would be like the ultimate Britney Spears memoir or like documentary would be her going back and sitting through all of these moments in her history, like the moment she attacked the van with the umbrella, the moment she shaved her head, the VMA performance, the conservatorship, her like, like I would love to just sit and like listen to her tell where she was and what she was feeling and what she was thinking over all these iconic moments in her history that we think we know about. Right. You know what I mean? We think we and we've heard everything and we've seen everything, but I just like I don't even care about the rest of it. I want to know like what she was actually feeling when she looks at those pictures or those moments or sentiments. Exactly. You'd be a great interview for that. No, no shade. You would be oh, great thank at that. You. Thank you. Legit. Well, like I said, it's going on the vision board. <laughs> well, we believe. So I send all all the positivity and and the good energy to that. Oh, thank you. I think that would be great. Blonde to blonde. Yes. Thank you. 
<laughs> now, random question, but it's also the most prevalent housewives question that's ever been asked. Okay. <laughs> what's your what's your tagline? <laughs> so I do have a tagline. I do enough of these interviews where I, I have it in my back pocket, but I feel like at a certain point I'm going to have to retire this one and, and come up with a new one because I've I use this all the time. But Love it. this is this is something that I have like without a doubt said in real life, completely unironically. But it it is my perfect housewives tagline, and it is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's not that I always have to be right. It's just that I always am. Love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yep. So cute. Yeah. <laughs> it took me very, so very Capricorny. <laughs> right. It took me so long to think of a tagline. And like listen, I've been watching since OC day one, right? Oh wow. Back when they didn't even choose taglines. Back when they right. just clipped the tagline from some shit that they said in the season. <laughs> it was just Vicky screaming like, I don't want to get old or whatever she said. Right. Like I was but, Yeah. <laughs> just imagine if they would they were still doing that and that was her tagline for it would actually be really funny if they still were just pulling a soundbite from the season like imagine what what would erica janes from this year be would it be her being like i I don't give give a a fuck about anybody and honestly that that's kind of an epic tagline (laughs) it is to be perfectly honest yeah it's a great tagline um, mine, it took me so long to come up with, but I figured like taglines are supposed to be like what your storyline will be for the season, right. right? So I thought of a great first tagline because I figured like me being a Virgo, me overanalyzing, and me being, you know, loud, I figured my tagline would be perfectly encompassed with totally not aggressive, just black. <laughs> Oh my gosh, so good. So good, right? So good, I love it. Now, would Bravo ever actually let the air? No, no, not at all. Probably. (laughs) So my backup would be, I'm young enough to grow, but old enough to know. Ooh, that's good. Really good. Yeah, that was one that I accidentally came up with doing this podcast. See, like, doing these shows, it sparks so much creativity and inspiration. It really does. 100%. Ah, now, before I let you go, I appreciate you so much for being here. You have given me everything that I need from an interview. Uh, I always need backstory, passion, shock value. (laughs) I need all the things of the things you you have taken me through a full well-rounded conversation have with a friend about reality tv so first off thank thank you you. love you dearly hope to have you back yes i would love to come back sweet tell the people where they can find you find the podcast when does it air who do you have coming up if you announce things like that. If not, tell them to mind their business and wait for it to come out. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, you can find me on social media at Blonde Hair Blackheart. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, and then the podcast, Blonde Hair Blackheart. Uh, you can listen wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart. Um, 
or on our website, blondehairblackheart.com. I put out new episodes every Monday. Um, and we also just released merch. So go check out some of our merch. And we do have some fun and exciting guests coming up. Um, maybe some Bravo Lebs, maybe some some pump rules people who knows but uh you guys will just have to stick around and see but in the meantime i do have a fun a lot of fun guests on old episodes that you can go back and listen to um yeah so definitely check it out blonde hair blackheart absolutely now before i let you go make sure you guys go and subscribe subscribe follow share leave positive comments tell them that i sent you buy the merch buy one for me too yes (laughs) Um, stay tuned for all of the people who may or may not be coming on that may or may not be Bravo Liz. Yes. Ha, 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 dun, dun, dun. Wink, wink. <laughs> wink, wink. Ha, ha, ha. Sniff, sniff. Um, before I let, let you go, what do you think about everybody seeming to hate this Rewive podcast coming? Um, so I don't begrudge any housewife or former housewife or former anything for going and commentating on it. I think that, you know, I know like in particular, Teddy Mellencamp, for example, gets like a lot of shit for doing her podcast. And I, I understand I listen to it and I think she's incredibly biased. Um, so that bothers me sometimes, but with that said, I do not begrudge her doing the show. I I think, yeah. you know, why not? We're all talking about it. You actually have like a, a, a much different perspective than any of the fans do. So like, yeah, I recognize why she would do it. I recognize why people find value in that. Um, and so same goes for Bethany. Like I don't, I don't begrudge her for doing it at all. I think what people take issue with is that she seems to have talked a lot of shit about other people who have done podcasts like this. So for mm-hmm. her now to go do it um, is everyone's just kind of like like really bitch. But I think she, <laughs> she, what she should do is just like own that and be like, look guys, I always thought this was kind of stupid. I was presented with an opportunity and I really sat and thought about it. And now I realize that it isn't stupid. So sorry for everyone that I said was stupid before. Like just own it and move on and then just do the podcast. Like I know people are gonna listen to it. I know it's gonna, like it's gonna do fine, so. See, I didn't even know that she had talked shit about people who did podcasts. For me, it was surprising because she was that person who tried to distance herself from Housewives so much to where she wouldn't even let people ask her about Housewives in interviews. Like, mm-hmm. like I was like, you wanted to distance yourself from, from the franchise so much and now you're going back and doing a show. But that was interesting to me. But I yeah. didn't even know that she had talked shit about people who did Housewives Yeah, and I think... Who do Housewives podcasts. Yeah, definitely. And she's definitely badmouthed like the show in general. I think the difference though is it would definitely be more questionable to me if she was going back and like if it was just her recapping Roni from when she was on, but it's it's encompassing like housewives in general, so they're going to be going back and watching like major episodes from all of the cities. So for me, that seems very on brand for Bethany because it's not so much her going back and talking about like her experience on the show. It's her watching and judging other people and talking about other people, which is like what she does best. So I don't feel like it's necessary. Like I understand how she was like, I don't want to talk about my experience on Roni anymore. So I'll just talk about everyone else's experiences on The Housewives. Right. So, I mean, I, I get it. Do I think that it's the most like groundbreaking thing ever? No, but I mean... I, you know, she, again, she has like a very unique and interesting perspective. And so I'm, I'm willing to 
give her a shot. And at the end of the day, if if you aren't interested, if you don't like it, then just don't listen to it, you know? Right. I'm totally going to be listening just because I've fallen in love with Bethany Frankel just reviewing skin products. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I fell in love with her all over again just reviewing skin products. It is... I don't, like... For me, watching Bethany talk about skin products is like watching Dr. Pimple Popper. Like, I cannot... I will sit there for hours and start talk about skin by Kim and talk about drugstore products and talk about texture and consistency for hours. Right. And it is totally amazing. So I can't wait to hear her talk about Teresa flipping tables or yeah. Nene being left off a charade guest list. I think it's going to be hilarious. Right. First. I agree. I think the fact that she's going to be talking about the other shows, um, to me, that's what makes it interesting. So yeah, I'll, I'll probably tune in. I mean, I'm, I try and be really well-rounded. Like I said, I, you know, I listen to two teas in a pod, even though I like don't love Teddy. Um, so I, I try and, I try and be in the know because like, you know, this is my job. It's kind of your job. <laughs> right. And so I, and people always say that they're like, why, like, why are you like listening to something you don't like or why are you investing in that if you don't like it? And I'm like, cause I have to talk about these things. And so, um, like I said, you know, Teddy gives an interesting perspective. I don't necessarily always agree with it, but there's a lot to talk about there. And so I'm sure Bethany is going to do the same. Absolutely. Well, with that being said, make sure you guys, before you go ahead, Make sure you listen to Blonde Hair, Black Heart after you listen to this episode of Real Reality, Real Shit. <laughs> and make sure that you're subscribed and have your notifications on for all of the shows and tell us what you think only after you leave a five-star rating. Yes, I, I love a five-star rating. Don't we know? It's like fresh champs <laughs> in the morning, it's isn't so it? so nice, right? Ah, it's like brand new champagne button. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. We will talk soon. I will be sliding in your DMs platonically, of course. Ah. <laughs> yes, can't ah, wait. Thank you lady. so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. You were great, and I will talk to you soon. You and your day, love. Oh, you too. Bye. Bye, babe. All right, everybody, that was my conversation with Blake Adam from Blonde Hair, Black Heart. I hope that you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And I hope that you got a lot out of what it means to be a positively impactful content creator, leading by example. And also, I hope that you learned from our example that we can agree to disagree on something, have different perspectives on a situation, and both have valid points, both come together, hear each other, understand each other, and still walk away from something that we don't end up agreeing on and still having a positive conversation and interaction regardless. I think that that's how these types of conversations should be happening on social media. And I'm glad that we got to engage in that dialogue because a lot of the times there is a very extremist perspective when it comes to how people engage on social media and there leaves little gray area for there to be nuance and understanding and it's either someone is a good person or a bad person or somebody is right or wrong. And it seems to be like there's only one type of nucleus for understanding and if you don't fit within that nucleus then you're wrong 
The problem is, is that nucleus is different for each individual person based on their experience and their understanding of a situation. Can people be swayed and pursued and are things blatantly right and wrong? Yes, but there are conversations where each person can have a conflicting or different view on a situation and still be 100% right in their experience. And I think that Blake and I's conversation when it comes to Crystal Kung Minkoff really did prove that because we may not have agreed on the bare bones of the situation, but I did agree with some of his points and he did bring up some things that I didn't necessarily think of when it came to him viewing his point. Now, it didn't necessarily sway me, but it did open up my eyes to a new perspective. And I think that's what it's all about is being willing enough to be open to understand, even if you don't always come to the point of agreeing. Do you know what I mean? So with that being said, make sure you're subscribed to Blonde Hair Blackheart. Make sure you're following Blake on Instagram and make sure that you leave him all types of love, all types of five star reviews and ratings and let him know that Sean Ellis Rogers sent you. Make sure you put a green heart emoji on the end so that he knows it's me. And also make sure you're subscribed to all of my podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast, Real Reality Realness, my sister podcast to this show, Housewives History with Megan and Sean. And also next week, make sure you guys are tuned in for my new podcast, Blind Love Abroad, which is going to be me analyzing all of the international versions of Love is Blind and talking about the complexities of relationships in a social experiment while being a pseudo foreign exchange student and learning about the cultures of the countries that these spinoffs are set in as well as my podcast on the American version of Love is Blind Two Pods Four Walls with my co-host, CJ, the housewife collector, my HCU correspondent that you've seen on the show so much. Make sure you guys tune in to both of those podcasts because they're both going to be debuting next week and or the week after, just depending. We'll see. But the plan is to have them both debut next week. So make sure you guys are tuned in to everything I have going on on social media. The best place to keep up with all of that is at Real Reality Realness on Instagram. Click the link in the bio and you'll find everything else that I have going on. Okay? We're going to close here. So on that note, make sure you guys always be real, stay in reality, and always bring the realness. I am Sean Ellis Rogers. This has been Real Reality Realness. And until next episode, I love you guys from the bottom of my green heart emoji. Love you. Bye. Peace.